Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. Today, I'm bringing you a very special guest, Mackenzie. So, Mackenzie, tell everyone who you are, what you do, who's in your family. Give us a little introduction. All right. Well, hello, everyone. It is a pleasure to be here today with Heather. So thank you for inviting me on. So my name is Mackenzie, Mackenzie Pham, and I live in Minnesota recently as of this summer. I'm here um, with my family. So uh, my husband, his name is Tree, and my two children, Emerson and Eileen. Emerson will be four in February, and Eileen is 18 months. And I am a French teacher, I would say, by by trade, by training. But at the present moment, I am just focused in on the house. So I'm with the kids. I'm kind of household management. My husband works really long hours. So it just works the best right now for me to be the primary parent at mm-hmm. home. Um, you know, as opportunities arise, I look forward to getting back into tutoring. I was most recently um, tutoring and then teaching online for the University of Rhode Island during uh, my pregnancy with my daughter. So about mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, I was doing that. Um and, Very similar to my my trajectory, right? <laughs> Teaching French yeah. and then taking time off. I think exactly. I stayed home two and a half years with the kids. Started mm-hmm. the podcast during that time because I needed that creative outlet. And you also have a podcast, so tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I do have a podcast. Um, although we're, I I would say we're a little bit behind on our recording schedule, but it's called the ABCs of Matrescence, and I have the podcast with a good friend of mine, Emma. And we basically created the the podcast together going through the process of motherhood. So the word matrescence is a contraction between maternity or basically that process of being a mother and then um, uh, adolescence. So it's uh-huh. basically the idea of matrescence. The, the idea is that as you go through motherhood, you go through the similar changes that you do through adolescence, i.e. Mm-hmm. the physical, spiritual, emotional changes that happen through, I guess you could think of it as like puberty, but beyond. And so essentially becoming a mother is a very similarly challenging journey. And so Emma and I were like, oh, we should really press into this more. So we've done a combination of our own episodes and also some really unique interviews, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then when Emma also had a, a second child, her daughter and I did as well, I think both of us just life with two kids was like, wowza. So we haven't we, been actively recording. That's okay. We get it here. I mean, I took a long hiatus as well. So people listening, they know all about that. Life happens. And they're also yeah. mostly parents, so they, they get it. Um, but yes. we will link up to that so that people can listen. Because of course, um, I just said this today. I released an episode this morning that there's tons of podcasts and they don't have to be actively recording right now, actively creating to have great content. So you can go back and listen to a podcast from 2013 and find the most amazing things, right? It doesn't matter if it's not new, brand new spanking off the press, right? That's a good Wonderful. point. And we also we also found that in the process um, of just, you know, we have a, a very small, humble social media following mm-hmm. and we just kind of, I guess, just didn't really keep up with the constant posting. And then when Reels really became a thing about a year oh, and gosh. a half ago, I, I think we just felt a little, um, maybe discouraged is the right word. It just is so much time and energy. And I think we both acknowledged we were never going to attempt to be influencers. I don't yeah. desire to record my entire life. And so both of us were like, you know what? We've enjoyed doing the podcast, but we need to take a step back just because of kind of time in life and then be realistic too, like growing our following, trying to get more listeners. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's an endeavor. <laughs> And that's very wise. You guys, you know, listen to the season you're in, what your internal, you know, body and mind were telling you that this is not the right time to 
to pour more into a podcast. I need to pour more into my my family or, you know, other exactly. things. So very wise. 100%. And uh, <laughs> if there's time, you know, because it gets easier as kids get older. So if, you know, time That's allows true. in the future, you never know. That'll be an opportunity that you'll see. You're if speaking you still... <laughs> to me slightly from the other side, Just right? You're slightly. To toe Just... the line on the other side. Just Wait, how, how young is your youngest? Because mine She'll is 18. She'll be... Yes. So my oldest is five and a half and my youngest will be four in a few weeks. So okay. yeah, we have, we have similar gonna... age gaps too. Cause mm-hmm. I have like, I have like the one and a half and then the almost four. So like yep. close yeah. together. Okay. <laughs> it was a roller coaster. <laughs> so we were just mentioning before starting. Uh, so yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, languages and your journey, learning them and who's in your family, what languages you all speak, how that awesome. works. So I had a pretty typical upbringing in terms of English speaking upbringing, nothing fancy there. When I was 14 and in high school, given the option between Spanish and French, again, straightforward, I always thought, oh, French, Eiffel Tower, like very cliche, like that sounds cool. So I picked French and I studied it in high school and I enjoyed it. I had I had great teachers, um, two different teachers in, in the course of, of my high school studies. And I really liked it. And it was just you know, I wasn't great at it. My accent was pretty atrocious. And, you know, that was that. And I never traveled abroad or anything. My parents um, prioritized traveling with us, you know, in the States, as far as like we lived and grew up in Arizona. So they would try our best to take us to the beach every summer and to the mountains every year. So we get mm-hmm. like a little week here and week there. But we didn't do international travel as a family growing up. Then I got to high school. I went to Arizona State, the Honors College there. And I had to pick a language for my English literature mm-hmm. degree. And so obviously it felt natural to continue with French and I placed it at the 200 level and, and I enjoyed it. I had a really great teacher that, that freshman year of college. Um, I still remember her, Julie Paulesque. Uh, She was um, um, just phenomenal, just very engaging, very straightforward, kind of Mm -hmm. like kind of your classic European, just, I'm just going to teach you. And I was very studious and loved it. And then that summer after my freshman year, I traveled abroad to Paris with the honors college at at Arizona state, uh, Barrett, the honors college. And I spent five weeks in Paris, in France, and oh, not um, enough. <laughs> not five enough, weeks but, that blew by. But my sure. eyes were just like, whoa! Like, yeah. I remember um, I went going and staying for five days in the south of France with some family friends. My mom had been in, had you know had oh, nice. been an English teacher, and so she had met a French family, and anyway, stayed in touch with them and basically connected. Like, I, so I went on a on a train six hours south to Toulon and they live in, um, they live in uh, La Lande, um, mm-hmm. down in the South of France. And I remember looking up on, in my like, um, dictionary, wait, how do I say perfectly? Thank you so much for inviting me. And now it's so funny to me that I was looking that up and I remember yeah. having dinner with them. And this is, I was like 19 mm-hmm. and, um, they asked if I was finished with my meal. And I said, we oui, just fini. Oh no. <laughs> I said, yep. I am finished. I am dead. I'm dead. <laughs> And, um, but it was fun and it was like invigorating to be there. So then I come back, it's sophomore year of, high, of college and I was in another class, another teacher, you know, the, I continued with my French. I think I still had a few more credits to go to meet the requirement of the English uh, literature degree. Mm-hmm. And it was a simple assignment. I had to stand in front of the room and describe my outfit. So very straightforward. Nice. Yeah. And I just froze. I had just a moment of like, mm. Um, not really a lack of preparedness. I think maybe it was just a combination of nerves and I couldn't get the words out. And, you know, you, you never know how it is in an academic setting. Sometimes there's another student in there who's really good at French. And I don't yeah. know. I just felt nervous. Although, honestly, I think that's happened to me even in my native tongue. Like sometimes I'm just like, wait, what was I going to say? <laughs> so Yes. And you kind of feel happen. on the spot. It can. Yeah. And especially there's yes. something about like 
gosh, so especially like a very traditional college setting classroom, you know, when you come in and, and I remember I left the class that day in tears and I was like, I am just not good at French. Like I make the grades because I study, mm. but why is this so hard for me? And I was like, gosh, darn it. I, I am going to dedicate myself to this. So mm. I went and I declared French as a double major. Nice. I booked a study abroad trip to Quebec. And that was that. I was That's like, awesome. I'm doing this. Like I am hundred percent doing this. And I remember my mom distinctly being like, honey, you don't need French. Like you picked English lit. And I'm like, nope, I do. <laughs> I want to do something French. told you. Yeah. Something yep. was telling I was you like, I need this. this. Is So I did that summer. Um, I went to Quebec and I was there studying awesome. and I was now double majoring the next summer I was studying in Cambridge, but I also did a couple weeks in Europe. So I had a little time in France, just nice. backpacking. Um, and then the third summer I did, or the fourth summer rather, I was in uh, Lyon. So mm -hmm. I did that. And then when I, and then I pursued a master's. So I did a master's in French literature also at Arizona state. And that was incredible in two ways. The first way is that I was able to do a whole semester abroad in Lyon yeah. and I lived with a French roommate. Um, I had just the full, I had French friends. I had full experience, full experience. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, in addition, I was also teaching as a TA. Mm, so I got to teach at Arizona state, uh, two classes a semester and, I ended up prolonging um, for an extra year. I was like, I love this. I'm going to do this mm -hmm. for a third year. I don't think now they let people do that. I yeah. Like, <laughs> but it was great. Cut you off. So, I loved teaching it. I did that as well at UMass. I was doing the like TA yeah. teaching classes and uh, it was so much fun. Yeah. Isn't it funny how they call us TAs, but like I did everything, right? You're basically being a lecturer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But they're not I'm giving like, you the full title. It's fine. No, there's no, yeah, definitely no title, but yeah. So it was great. And so then I came out of that and I was kind of unsure what I was going to do. I remember I was looking at Starbucks for like insurance benefits. And I was like, I actually thought I was like, I'm going to take a year off and then I'm going to apply for PhD programs. And the reason I felt like I needed a year off was just, you know, I mean, seven straight years of school, undergrad, graduate. And I, um, I just thought maybe I'll just travel and, you know, I'll get my insurance benefits for, you know, <laughs> whatever my parents' insurance runs out. Mm. Well, then I got approached by, um, by a woman who had also been a part of the master's program. She was moving actually back East um, to, to, uh, to get married. And I think something with, with her relationship um, was bringing her back East. So she said, Hey, I teach in this awesome private school in Arizona, a high school. They're looking for, for a French teacher. Would you have an interest? And I knew the school cause I grew up in Arizona, Xavier college prep. And I said, I would love to pursue mm -hmm. that. So I did. And I taught there for five years. Nice. And um, I taught French one and French two, and I led um, study abroad trips on three occasions. So three different summers, I led groups of students abroad. Wow. Um, and, and it was wonderful. And this was all, you know, in my 20s. So, I mean, I was dating, I was living with um, with roommates. I also at one point was back with my parents. Mm -hmm. um, and then I met my now husband um, during my fourth year of teaching there. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so yeah, I was able to um, obviously that fourth year we were, we were dating. And then during the fifth year, um, we got engaged and then he, um, was accepted into a residency program in Rhode Island. So, mm -hmm. um, my fifth year at Xavier was my final year. And then we moved, um, we moved to Rhode Island. Big and move. Yeah. Huge move. <laughs> it was, it was wild. But then when in Ro Rhode Island, I taught, um, as an adjunct at the university of Rhode Island and also at a community college, did some tutoring mm -hmm. and then landed what was, truly a dream job for me there at a private school teaching like sixth, seventh, 10th and 12th, four different classes mm -hmm. um, while pregnant with my first, my son. And then once my son was born, you know, I'll just try to stay a little bit off the soapbox of motherhood in America. But uh, <laughs> my husband and I crunched the numbers and 
what I would have been making teaching salary after paying for his full-time daycare to drop off my three-month-old from mm-hmm. 7 15 a.m to 4 15 p.m I would have brought home after tax approximately 17,000 a year and my husband's like that makes zero sense yeah we're literally making seventeen thousand dollars I crunched the numbers for myself <laughs> as well when I had the two and it was like a hundred dollars a week yeah because two and the the infants cost more than True. the toddler so it was like two in daycare I think I would be making a hundred dollars a week I was like that's not worth prepping four classes teaching five classes but four of them are different preps staying up till 10 and I closed my oh, computer and then getting up overnight yeah, well, yeah, I close my computer only because I have to. There's always more work to do, but I close it at 10 because I have to because I have to get up at five the next day. Plus, I'm breastfeeding at night and getting up at all hours. Say, and then you're pumping all day during work. Pumping all day. Oh, there's for just somebody else to give your baby a bottle. Yeah. So, so, so many reasons why it's so hard. And yeah, I 100% agree that we need at least a year of maternity because well, your baby's not ready to separate from you and you're not ready to separate from your baby. You know, we get nothing. Teachers, we got zero pay. Oh, I zero, got zero weeks. pay too. Zero. Nothing. Yep. nothing. It was all, it was all detracted from me. And then it, the other frustrating aspect of it was when I explained to the school, is there any way I could do this in a part-time capacity? I don't need the benefits. I got them through my husband's residency program. I, you know, I would love to teach a few days a week. I, I can do a flexible teaching schedule. Like I had, yep. I had a nanny that could come very part-time, um, et cetera. And that was a no. And then I asked that too, because I had my, my mom. Yep, I, I said, did. can you hold my job for eight months? Allow my baby to be, he would have been nine months old. And then at that time I could consider coming back. Nope. Like everything was a dead end. And so it's like, you know, I know in other countries, if I'm not mistaken in Canada, they hold mm-hmm. your job. Yeah. And they give you right? a lot more time off. I just saw a TikToker who was, um, I don't even have TikTok, but people will repost. And she was just literally, she was like holding her baby in a carrier. And she's like, American moms are you guys okay? (laughs) I don't think you're doing okay over there. Like, do I need to call the police? (laughs) How are you surviving with like, and she listed all the things. So well, and my husband received, he got six days off, six, six days off, very generous. And they were only because it was his vacation week. So my son was six. I don't want to laugh, but oh my God. I know my son was six days old and my husband was back to working. This was for his, he did two residencies. This was the first one. He would leave the house at about 5.45 AM and he would come home at 7 PM and and he had one day off a week. So we would laugh because literally every, every one of those nights he would get up at 4 Mm AM to literally just hold and rock my sleeping son because it was his only time with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you survive. I mean, that's depressing. Not like, no, that's, it is depressing. But I'm depressing. like, how can I let this be like my son's reality? He gets one hour with his dad while he's asleep. And then I'm working from seven to four. It's just like, so it, it was very, well, I'll put it in the present. It is very hard for me because mm-hmm. I worked so hard to master the French language. Mm-hmm. I love teaching. I'm passionate about educating in general. I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm similar to you, Heather, and that I really mm-hmm. love teaching adults. Cause I feel like they love come it. and they have a, they have a goal in mind. They are determined. They are also mature enough to be able to put in the work that requires. They're not However, forced to be there like a high school or middle school. Totally. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, in, in college to some extent too, you get the blank stares, but just in general, the teaching, or even like, I would say a tutoring situation where the student is younger yep. and really motivated it is, it's so invigorating. And so mm-hmm. for me to have that total part of my life be on a complete pause is just really challenging. Yeah. And I think it's I a feel that of, at a deep level. I feel. It is. It's motherhood in America, but it's also life with children and mm-hmm. then life with children and 
you don't, it doesn't operate in a, in a silo, you know, like you have a child and there's, you know, in many cases, a partner yep. involved in that. So what does that mean for your family? What does that juggle? Um, mm-hmm. And so anyways, it's a lot, but that is my story. Mm-hmm. I love French. So how oh, have you kept French? Oh, okay. Tell us quickly about Spanish and then we'll get, that's a quick insert. So when I, um, so when I had been studying French for, for a while, I decided, um, in 2014, I really wanted to start to pursue Spanish. So I took a few Spanish courses online and then I spent, um, two months, um, in abroad in Granada. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so that was really cool. And then the uh, following summer, or no, no, I did a full month there and then I traveled around Europe for a few weeks. So it was kind of about five weeks again, total in Spain. I continued studying it for the year. And then the next um, summer I went and did three weeks. So I did a couple of weeks in Bilbao, mm-hmm. um, Northern Spain. Yeah. The Pittsburgh of, of, of uh, the Pittsburgh. Of <laughs> Is that Spain. what they call it? <laughs> they call it, but I loved it. I was like, Pittsburgh of Spain rocks. And then um, I did a, a third week in Toledo. It's still Spain. So it's still Spain. <laughs> it still beats yeah. anything in America. <laughs> exactly. It's still like absolutely better. And then, uh, yeah. So then I came back and I, my Spanish level was, um, they say it was about like a B to C1 nice. was what like my, my, so it was pretty, pretty passable. Yeah, that's decent. And then um, I kept up with it, I would say. And then kind of getting started in Rhode Island, you know, from basically 2000. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, kind of like that four year was yeah. it was Spanish was really back burner. I mean, I would use it if I had to like it happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but then when, um, you know, we were kind of mid pandemic and I was, you know, thinking about having a second and then pregnant with my daughter, I picked it up again and I had a great tutor, a young kid, um, uh, just shout out to Perry cause he rocks. Um, and he, uh, he was working on his, um, undergraduate degree actually down in, um, down in Augusta, Georgia. And he was recommended to me from, um, from my first Spanish, uh, mm-hmm. teacher actually through Arizona state. And she was like, I had this student. He was great. So he taught me for a year over zoom and he was awesome. Mackenzie, and we're then- now of the age where our teachers are younger than us. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that depressing? You're 20. I know. And I remember at one point I'm asking my husband, honey, you have to Venmo Perry. So he Venmos him and he sees like Perry's profile picture. And he's like, honey, like how old is he? Is he like, <laughs> is he like a teen? I'm like, I think he's a teen. Oh he's my crazy. God. In my head, I'm like, honey, you should hear his Spanish. And he's like, Anyways, so he was just hilarious hard and he would like tell me like his stories in Spain and about his cute little American girlfriend. And I was like this motherly figure as my belly's growing. Mm -hmm. I remember at one point we're on the Zoom and I had to like stand up to do something and I saw his eyes go. (laughs) I I told you I'm pregnant. I actually am. There is a baby in my belly. And it was like, this is very obvious that 19 year old Perry does not interact with pregnant women. He was not ready for that. (laughs) He was not ready for that. Um, but yeah, so, and then I, um, and then again, you know, my daughter was born, life got crazy again, but now since being here in Minnesota, I've started to pick up my Spanish again. I now mm. have a new Spanish tutor, um, who I actually, she's a friend of mine too. And mm. I think we'll get into it a little bit later, but I met her at the children's museum here in, um, in Mankato, where I live in Mankato, mm. Minnesota, because I overheard her speaking mm. to her son in only Spanish. Uh-huh. And I was speaking to my daughter in only French. And we were oh. both kind of like, Hey, 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 are you I'm one of mine? <laughs> she is a native English speaker mm-hmm. speaking her second learned language to her daughter. She also uh, speaks some Italian as well. Cool. Um, but Spanish is her um, is her like second language in terms of fluency. She's she's fluent. And she also was a high school teacher. Oh so gosh. we both were like, wow, this is incredible. And so I kind of was like, but would you tutor me? And she's yeah. like, I absolutely would. Por supuesto. So here awesome. we are. But Can yeah, so that's my that's my uh, that's my 
language background. Okay, now tell us about the kids. And, you know, you just mentioned you were speaking to your daughter only in French. So tell us all about that. Like, how did you make that decision? I mean, obviously, we know you're passionate about French, but like, with your husband, like, he doesn't speak French. Like, what was that like when you were discussing this? How does he feel if he doesn't understand? Or does he understand some French? Maybe I'm wrong. So I think that for my husband, he knew, you know, when we met, our our very first conversation was about travel mm-hmm. and what I what I did as a teacher and how he had spent um, a few a few months in in the summer of his um, undergraduate studies in a language program in Italy, and oh, so cool. there was just this combination of interest in that mm-hmm. of just travel and language. So like already at a baseline, that was yeah. kind of a part of an interest level within our relationship. Um, and my husband's Vietnamese, so he was born and raised in Vietnam um, up until age eight, and then his family um, emigrated here to the U.S. Uh, in in Atlanta. So my husband um, in Vietnam, the the foreign language that's learned is French, um, and I'm not sure this was, mind you, in the in the 80s. They came here in 91. So I was going to ask um, if that's still true because I know English is taking over as lingua correct. franca. But I would say that English is probably more predominant. But it's not like it's not it's not like it's difficult to find um, a school in Vietnam that would offer French. Yeah. Um, so my husband's grandfather spoke fluent French mm-hmm. because of the colonization. Of but that's yeah. pretty much I mean, his parents took it in school, but then it kind of like that was it. So it kind of becomes how I'll say this. Unfortunately, I think a lot of us here in America have a relationship with Spanish we're like forced, quote unquote, to learn it in school. And then if we don't utilize it beyond that, that just becomes it. So I would say that there's probably some of that with with French, but um, he did. So he had exposure to French for, Mm -hmm. you know, about the the, I think he started like maybe they started introducing it just a little bit in preschool. So for a few years, you know, from like age three to eight, then he came here to the U.S. and um, he and his siblings um, took French uh, just Mm -hmm. in school. So that was their language they took in school in um, in high school. Mm-hmm. and in middle school I think so he has school. some base he's not totally yes and he has a very good ear and he um he's also fluent in Vietnamese um but he kind of does say sometimes his speaking level and his reading and writing is a little bit more he says kind of like a third to maybe fifth grade-ish because yeah. you know he doesn't well. use it every day yeah so when um he did a medical mission trip there during um his final year of of med school and I was able to join him over there for a little over a week which was a neat experience oh, that's being so in cool. Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah and and he said that within like kind of within just a few days really within a couple mm-hmm. weeks it was like the Vietnamese language back. just kind of came back. And so sure. that was a really cool experience for him. Um but yeah, otherwise, and with his parents, he does, uh, you know, he speaks a lot of Vietnamese, but then English words mixed in. Yeah. And then with, with his uh, with his sisters, sometimes I think they, uh, they'll use it just if they're trying to like say a little quip or something, mm-hmm, but oftentimes mm-hmm. they're usually just speaking in English. So but that's really interesting, you know, just for us people who are interested in raising bilingual kids that, you know, just to take his example of speaking a language up to age eight and then moving and having to learn English, right? Like, but there's still this like, base even with I mean I'm talking about his Vietnamese not his French yes but like it's there right and that's what we're all hoping for like if we raise our kids up I've heard up to adolescence is kind of the goal like if you if you can keep them speaking up to like 12 13 and have a really good base that like they'll never lose it it's still going to be there whereas Mm -hmm. if they stop at like six there's a really good chance that they might just lose it right like that's only halfway and you know depending Mm -hmm. on what they need later another language another this 
Um, but like, yeah, I've heard kind of the the goal line is <laughs> get to adolescence, but even him, like, you know, I'm sure he still used it when he came here with his parents and his family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that base is still there and that's kind of what we're all hoping for. Like keep that language, that, keep that fire burning, right. Even if it goes down a little bit, it's not as big of a flame, but like the embers don't go out and that's a really just good a quick point trip back and like, you know, now he's immersed in it. He's hearing it. He's speaking it all the time and it just quick comes back. So that's really exactly. cool. And I think to his parents, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't waver. They didn't come here and say, okay, we need our kids to learn English ASAP. So we're going to only try to speak English to them. No, they, oh, they so were good. learning English themselves. So they just spoke in Vietnamese with the kids. Mm-hmm. And I think like with time, you know, their children, so their four children, they started responding, um, probably maybe more maybe in English or there would be English phrases that would come in, et cetera. But it yeah. still was like, this is what, you know, this is what you speak to us, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, that that's very true. And and my husband's um, brother, he, he unfortunately has passed his late brother. Um, mm. He did um, really, truly master the Vietnamese language. Wow. So he made it, um, he made it uh, a professional uh, goal. He worked with, um, with my husband's mother for, for many years um, together, um, they owned um, several nail salons, and um, so he his level of basically academic, professional, <laughs> and also just casual Vietnamese in every right. way was was just at at its highest level. Yeah, there's and, that um, that proficiency cone. I don't know if you've seen the act film, but it's like you know total novice, lower intermediate. Okay. There's this whole cone of like ten or so levels, but like at the top there's superior and like distinguished you know like because mm-hmm. not even everybody not every native speaker is able to have this distinguished you know that's like a professor a politician someone who really oh. is able to use their words really well and speak really clearly and really well and eloquently and use lots of high vocabulary like we don't all reach that level <laughs> sorry to tell you right like mm-hmm. most of us are maybe like upper advanced or superior right i'm talking native language yes. so that's really really cool yeah, and I can so link I to that that, yeah, that cone that I'm referring to. There's this, it's a cone, it's an upside down cone. So like when you're at the novice, you know, like nothing, like the point of the cone is like very small and it just gets bigger and bigger. Ah, that's so neat. Okay. So yeah. It's kind yeah. of a visual of like how much you need to know when you reach each level, it gets so much larger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's a, that's a testament to the fact that like in, in his brother's case, you know, you can you can obviously, you know, it can be like you said, the foundation language, and then you end up kind of returning back to it for whatever reason. So in his mm-hmm. case, it was, it was professional career and also interest. And then, you know, kind of the environment that he put himself in, right? Like working with employees whose first language is Vietnamese and that was their mm-hmm. comfort language. And obviously working from like a, a managerial, he was an owner, like that, pers- you know, that professional perspective. Yep. And so, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's just really, it's really neat to see. And yeah. Anyways, my husband always speaks um, about just his mastery mm. of it. And um, yeah, it just kind of goes to show that what your interest is or desire or even necessity in a language can be achieved, of course. even if like it's not necessarily the most um, expected trajectory, I guess. Yeah. And if you want it bad enough, you can work and achieve mm-hmm. it for yeah. sure. So what was so, that yeah, conversation so that was like? Did he, so, did he want to speak Vietnamese? Did you know you wanted to speak French? Did you start from day one? So I, I, I guess I'd always just said to myself, if I ever have kids, because I wasn't so sure I wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, if I ever have kids, um, I will speak to them in French. It was just kind of something that it was almost like a, like a known fact. 
And I mentioned it kind of in passing to my husband. Yeah, I'll speak to them in French. He was like, oh, that's cool. That'll be great for them. You know, like, good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, just very supportive of it. And so, you know, essentially my son was born and my first word to him, like mm-hmm. my brand new baby on my chest. And I said, coucou mon coeur, hello, oh. my heart, you know, and, uh, and that was that. And so here we are, he is almost four and my daughter's 18 months and I've mm-hmm. never spoken in English to them ever. Wow. Except. Bravo. Chapeau. <laughs> <laughs> Merci. Except to maybe um, offer like a translation, you know, like if, right. if he doesn't understand something, um, what the, what the translation is, or, um, you know, there've been a couple of kind of funny language moments where I've really had to tell him like, actually, you need to know the English word for this. Right. Right. Um, for, there are for, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, other wise. than that, it's, they, they know. And if it's so funny, if they hear me speak in French, like I'm leaving a voice note for a friend who's French speaking, or mm-hmm. I'm listening to something that's French speaking, they kind of tune in because they think, wait, that's, that's mom's language with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. So my husband, uh, they don't refer to him as like dada or daddy. He's papa mm-hmm. and I'm maman. And even mm-hmm. my daughter, 18 months old, has a perfect pronunciation of mammal. It's oh, just the nasal vowel. Oh. The mammal. <laughs> yeah, she's got that down. And uh, But what do they call him so, when they talk to him? Oh, they papa? still call him papa. papa. Okay. And okay. my husband does a... So my husband was very supportive of it. He, he does understand some of it. And I think mm-hmm. the thing that, you know, you really realize when you're raising children <laughs> in any language is that you say kind of a lot of the same stuff over and oh, over and over and over 100%. and over and over. Which is so why you he, can raise a bilingual kid because you just need like 10 key phrases. Are you hungry? <laughs> so true, <laughs> Go to yes. the bathroom. And so I'm like little things like my husband now, like when we talk about water, do you want some water? De l'eau? He will literally say to my son, oh, son, do you want any de l'eau? You know, or like, or like um, when my son will say like, who's going to coucher me ce soir? Yeah, ce soir. <laughs> who's going to coucher me? And um, Papa will say, no, son, uh, you know, Mamo's going to coucher you tonight because I'll be at work or whatever. Yeah, and these like, words have become, so they've you, become, you put them in like English now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> put to <yes>. bed. <laughs> totally. Yes. Like coucher. Yeah. Like who's going to put me to bed? Yeah. That's so cute. So, so that's been kind of neat. And then, um, you know, I've just, obviously I've had to make some serious um, concessions and efforts and intentionalities with it, but my husband's been nothing but supportive. And I can chat a little bit more about the things that I've had to do essentially for the kids to make sure that their development, but my husband's been on board. So for example, Mm. the only content we let them watch in terms of screen time is always in French with the Mm -hmm. exception of like um, they're obsessed right now with frozen. So (laughs) la la reine des neiges. And uh, my husband recently had to spend three days out of town uh, working at a different site here in Minnesota. And he took his laptop with him. Well, his laptop connected to our Wi-Fi is the way we get frozen in French. Oh, no. So when he was gone, I had to put, you know, like one afternoon, I was like, I'm dying. We need a show. Yeah, <laughs> so yep. they asked for Frozen. And so they watched it, you know, in English because yeah. that was what we had. Disney Plus, for whatever reason, doesn't well, um, doesn't have the right Nobody's perfect, it. Mackenzie, I mean. <laughs> I know. It's okay. It's funny because my son looks at me and he goes, Maman, is this en anglais? And I'm like, oui. <laughs> so, so, you know, and, uh, but my husband's supportive of that too. And then we had a brief conversation. Gosh, my husband, my son rather must have been about two to two and a half. Hmm. And my husband was like, should I try? It was like kind of like a, he didn't ask necessarily initially, but kind of as my son was starting to use more words, mm-hmm. by the way, my son was a, a later talker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I theorize it has to do with trying to understand two languages, but no, yeah, my he... kids both started at 14 months, had like 10 words. So, okay, so he that's, just was a late talker. It's just, yeah, I don't, I don't think it has 
I mean, that's a factor. Sure. But that's not the only reason. Like people love to point to like, it's because of this. But like, there's plenty of kids who grew up bilingually. And my my kids were both with my mom in English, with us in Polish. They had both languages and they both, I had like a list of words at 14 months, book, ball. It was a bunch of English words. My son was with my mom for like daycare and an English speaking daycare, but both of them, they had a bunch of words at 14 months. So. Wow. So probably was then just him. It just, know, just yeah, that's just yeah. certain kids are later talkers. So, you know, it's not yeah. a, it's not the only factor, but people love to point to it. Like, well, it must be because I spoke to true. him in French, but no, like you could have been speaking English only to that child and he could still, he could have still start speaking he just it said too. Like, gum, 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 Most of my years. friends are, you know, they, they speak other languages, but not to their kids. So they're raising their kids monolingually. And I've friends whose kids spoke at all different ages, all over the gamut and plenty of late speakers in that group. And it's, they're not because they're speaking a different language. They're only speaking English. So, well, you know what? Just... I, I mean, I, I suppose I'm going to have a perfect, um, like a test control for this with my daughter. Cause already at 18 months, she has, she has quite a few words in both right. English and in French. And so yeah, just... more than my son did at that age. So kids are different. True. Who knows? You know, it's it's not one thing that did it, but yeah, people love to blame. Well, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't be raising them by like no. Um, have you ever seen the video? Just as a quick side note, where they said, um, like it's like you shouldn't raise your kids bilingual, and then it's like she gave two different words that were like the same in English. Like, well, don't tell him the word content. Just only use happy. That's the only word we're gonna use. You can't use synonyms. Like, because it it doesn't matter, right? Like, there's plenty of multiple layers of language even with one language you're not confusing them by teaching them like pelota ball <laughs> ballon like that they can they can handle it yeah there's that's, that's... multiple words even in one language that mean one concept and mm -hmm. they, they can have multiple words in different languages. their kids are smarter than we give them credit for mm -hmm. for sure like you know like that's you're true. saying your little kids like oh is this in anglais like that's true to pick up on that and i think another factor too with my son was from 13 months old we were in the pandemic setting so yep. from 13 months until we put him in Montessori school at 19 months, like mid pandemic, essentially, that was August. Uh, we started, he started in I think late August or September, 2020, but he had literally just six months of just French at home with me and English with my husband, but that was it. And so I think, you know, that's, there's, you're right. It's a good thing to keep in mind because kids just acquire language, you know, language or language at their own pace, kind of at their own pace. It's just like anything, you know, like no one looks anything. at a child who's walking at 11 months and you know, like, is like, oh, that must be because you ran around her. Like, no, yeah, you must be a runner. <laughs> no, it must be because <laughs> she saw you running. No, she just wanted to walk. Like, that's true. They just develop so, at whatever age. They do. And they for find. Them. So I think when my son started to really put a few wor more words together, which was a little bit later, like, like I said, kind mm -hmm. of two to two and a half, my husband was like, should I do some Vietnamese with him? And I basically, like, I really thought about it. And I kind of came back to him and I said, here is my opinion. You know, you have seen me do French with Emerson, but like, I'm going to tell you exactly what I do with him. So, right. you know, this is the amount of effort that it takes me. Do you feel like you can put in that effort for him in Vietnamese? And I said, and I don't think I can have a role in it because the closest like Vietnamese language program is like often it's in Catholic churches here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. actually. And the closest one was in Boston and we were in Warwick, Rhode Island. And I'm like, well, we're not going to drive an hour and whatever, 20 minutes. And, um, you know, to achieve that on a Saturday and, you know, you're not home much. I know. And so I think my husband realized, you know what, you're right. Let's focus on the French. And this doesn't like, you know, 
preclude us or what was that the right word yeah, preclude like, us i think so Pre- prevent us <laughs> yeah english is my first language i, I promise you all listeners that it is mine um, too and i can't help you <laughs> it's the like, morning for anyone listening we're still drinking coffee morning. yeah we still are drinking coffee both of us um i think that you know i said to my husband this isn't going to like prevent us rather from a trip to vietnam or like him right. later in life having an interest in it but i think like what i can support him with as the primary parent at home is is this so and you he, don't um, as the primary that. parent you you're like I'm not gonna give up any of my French time like you'd have to pick this That's if you correct. want to do Vietnamese it's got to be on you and like yes his work hours are you know insane unfortunately so yeah it's like yeah. a reality check that like I can't take this on <laughs> I've already got yeah. this French going on yeah so I would say, like, if you think about, well, okay, what does it mean then? You said to your your son when he was born, "Coucou mon cœur." Like, what 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 happens after that? So, right. for me, it was um, obviously when they're tiny, little, you know, you're just kind of narrating, you yep. know, what's happening in their days, and so all of that for me was always in French. Anytime I talked to him or addressed anything to him, it was in French, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is like very, you know, very intentional, like the things you say to your tiny baby that can't say anything, you know. So yeah. he's hearing me speak in English all day long to other people, right. but always to him, it's in French, and so from a very very young age, um, when you start reading books to them, I put this in air quotes because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, books, right. You know, they're like two months old, but either I, um, would read to him books that were French books in French, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I would just translate in English. And I still do this today. So if he asks me, me to read a book, I just translate it as I'm, as I'm going, just um, get ready for that to change. He's going to be like, that's not that word. Why did you oh. say curl when it says heart? <laughs> that's so because it's gonna yes, come up soon. I can read. Yes, exactly. Not yet, but he's he's just getting to that. Like he's the sight. Yeah, they've done it. Alf, they've done all the alphabet and sight words and like, yeah, I'm getting the like. <gasps> you didn't read that whole paragraph. Oh boy. <laughs> oh right, yes, because sometimes you're like you're like reading this intent. Like yeah, you're reading a power or rhyming. You're you're you know just what I do, mean? giving you're a quick to, you're summary. Like, How do I make? Yeah, you're just like let yeah. me just yeah. So I would say that kind of something that started to happen from the very beginning is I remember he was like, I don't know, maybe eight months old. And my parents um, did just a little trip to Quebec. And Mm -hmm. so I had sent them to a bookstore and I was like, you need to buy all these books. (laughs) And then um, I asked a few French friends kind of who were in France kind of around the time of his birth or after, Hey, can you just grab me a few books and I'll pay you back for them. So I kind of started a little library and then I discovered um, shortly thereafter that you can order from FNAC. um, Mm -hmm. So F-N-A-C and then- uh, point um, fr. Uh, um, I just I say this. Uh, I don't know if it's even worth linking for your listeners, but um, because it is expensive because you have to fa- pay the frais de livraison. Yeah. Um, but it comes in like two to three days. It's astounding. Well, yes. So I'm impressed they, by Le Fenec. I'm very impressed by Le Fenec, and so. Um, I basically, what I'll say is, especially to like my in-laws who, you know, they want to contribute to, um, to the kids in terms of their education. So I'll say, Hey, here's the deal. I'm ordering like a hundred euros worth of books. The shipping is 40 euros, which I know sounds insane, but But I choose very carefully the books that I pick. And I like keep a running, like a little shopping cart always. And And then I pick and choose. And then I'll, what I most recently have done is I've Googled, um, in French, um, basically, in I've typed in in French, like basically books about helping kids with emotional regulation. So my son has books about big feelings in mm-hmm. French that mm-hmm. I was able to order for him or like diversity um, or talking about, you know, issues that I think matter to me or like the protagonist yep. being like, you know, being a 
what, what have you, whether the, the protagonist has a different skin color than, mm-hmm. than my child mm-hmm. or whether, um, you know, the family structure looks like mine, a single mom, two dads, et cetera. Yeah. Like I try to provide some, some examples of that, obviously in English, that's fine. Cause I'm translating anyways, but also in the French content. So I was going yeah. to say, you should look at like, um, library sales, all used bookstores, but the caveat here is like, well, A, it's hard to find kids books whenever I've gone to those used bookstores. It's like literature. It's all the Moliere and like the stuff nobody wants to read. But um, the other I thing- I actually love Moliere. I mean, I love Moliere. I gave him because he's like one of my favorites, but <laughs> most people are not like- No, you're right. I, I, last Moliere. I checked, people are like, is Moliere on the bestsellers list? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you don't usually find kids books. And then the other thing is you're mentioning books that are very, you know, 2023 like get your kid woke you know <laughs> woke baby <laughs> gotta my know husband, like my husband would call it the joe biden book selection <laughs> <laughs> but like if you find a book at like a library sale it's probably from the 1980s it's mm-hmm. probably got like stuff that's like no longer politically correct to like do or say or show before asterix is under, under oh, attack <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah. but yeah. no it's, it's true you have to be like it's so for me it was like the intentionality of that and then mm-hmm. also like my my son loves Paw Patrol. Mm-hmm. La Pat Patrouille. So yeah. you can find on YouTube kids, like you can type in Pat Patrouille en français, yeah. um, Paw Patrol in French. You can even type that too and you'll get the episodes and that's great. But then for the books, um, like when I go to Fennec, I can mm-hmm. actually type Pat Patrouille and they have the books right. in French. So so yeah, so basically um, and, and, and kind of an example of something that I'm doing for my son intentionally now in terms of, and this is where there is obviously the commitment piece, there's the you putting in the effort, but then there's truly the financial piece. Like, so what I'm basically what I'm trying to say is in lieu of my son getting yet another truck, um, I will say to my in-laws for his next birthday, this is something, you know, and so like part of it is also just within our family, like that mm-hmm. kind of intentionality as far as like experiences or things that kind of promote the French. So, you know, obviously I'm not ordering $150 worth of books from FNAC every two months. Okay. We're talking about like twice a year. Because so, the shipping um, is so high. If you order correct. three books, it's 40. And if you order 10 books, a hundred books, it's $40. So you might as well yeah. wait, get a huge list and then. That's exactly what I do. I just it. wait. And then I make the, I make a big, a big order. So what other um, resources have you found or have you struggled to find things i know there's playgroups in spanish um i don't know how easy it is to find playgroups in french or you know like what what else have you done like is it all on your shoulders i guess is my question are you really the only input that your kids are getting everything's coming from you you said tv is always in french but like how else are you like do you feel the weight of this or have you been able to find other ways so to, to bolster I do feel I do feel the weight of it right now um at these young ages so I think the things that help is that I'm the primary parent at home that I speak only in French to them mm-hmm. um if we listen to um to music it's generally like playlists that I find just by googling Spotify like totally. French like uh like a uh, contine just like oh, little yeah. French stories or <laughs> verses. So um and there's all of that um and then you know it's it's obviously like just kind of responding and, and reacting to to my children in French. You know, my son speaks to me a lot in English. I would say his, mm. his output to me can be, it can range from 60 to 80% in English, I would say. Right. Um, and then there's French words. Like he'll say to me, Maman, what are we having for dîner ce soir? Um, you know, or he'll say to me something like, ah, Maman, where's my chasse-neige? You know, like, <laughs> where's fangle. my snowplow? You yeah. know, and so there's a lot of that. And um, and sometimes I'll tell him like, um, like if, you know, if he's frustrated about something, I'll say, Maman, I am frustrated. 
you can say Emerson, you can say je suis frustré. And he goes, I suis frustré. And I'm like, it's like you try to like, you know, you don't want to correct, but at the same time, you're like, how yeah, many you times do I like... just because if you just let <laughs> yeah. him think that's the normal sentence, he's like, you know, you know, mixing it and he's gonna just keep saying just I am frustré. My kids were saying, um, instead of moi aussi, they were saying moi too moi too and i was like you can't oh. what i was like stop and they thought it was it became like a joke because i was like no oh, moi they aussi. and they're like yeah. moi they too, moi too. yeah yeah or he'll say something like um like he'll say something about my daughter because i call her a little coquine so she'll say eileen oh, is a coquine yeah, you know like is and then he'll use that or like he's holding his little stuffed koala who he's, mm -hmm. he loves tremendously and he'll say oh caillou gentil caillou oh. you know so like he his koala's name is caillou but it, there's just so I, I guess part of it to me is but you're I, staying 100% I stay 100%. regardless okay. so I just let him he's in uh an English speaking um it's like a daycare setting but he's in the preschool class so it's mm -hmm. kind of it, there isn't like a, I think there might be a Montessori school here, but it's only a half day. So we chose a program that was a bit longer for him. And so, yeah. but it's as close to a Montessori approach as you can get. Um, and so what I try to do is um, like, I can get the updates from what he's doing at school. So I'll ask him, oh, but I'll always say in French, I see you read this book at school. Tell me about it. Or, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I try my best to kind of engage with what happens in his English speaking world in French, in French. like the conversation. Yeah. Um, a couple other things that I have to do pretty intentionally. One is um, I would say with, like, with discipline. So when things come up, so let's say, for example, he wakes up a couple of times overnight and he comes into my room and we're really working with him on that. Like you can rearrange your covers, you can stay in your room. So let's just imagine he came the out struggle. a couple of times. Yeah. I know the struggle is very struggle real. Is real. <laughs> we're having breakfast. I'm talking to him about it in, English, in French rather. So I'm saying, mm -hmm. son, you know, you can stay in your room. You can arrange your covers. I'm believing you. Um, you know, we're really working on this, et cetera. And my husband then, you know, enters into the picture. I'll then say to my husband in English, Yep. Hi, honey. I was just talking to Emerson about blah, 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 and the importance of staying in his room. My husband will then turn to Emerson in English mm -hmm. and say, mm -hmm. son, we're blah, 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 blah. And then I'll say back to Emerson in French, what, what, what was Papa saying to you? What was he talking to you about? So we kind of, it kind of creates almost like this triangular yep. conversation. Yep. Now I realize like as my son gets older and conversation. But that's actually good because kids need re repetition, reinforcement. So totally. And some so people might say, oh God, that's just going to take twice as long. But, but you know what? Kids need that. They need you to repeat. Like, what did I ask you to do? Are you kidding? He loves hearing it again. Yeah. He absolutely loves hearing it again. Or like last night, uh, my kids were splashing in the bath and I was solo parenting last night. My husband was mm -hmm. at work and um, I told Emerson multiple times to not do something. He kept taking this thing over his sister. And so I had like a snap moment. I was like, that's your feet. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I just kind of have like that, like, yeah, that's yeah. enough. Stop. And then, um, and so then I took, you know, my daughter out of the bath and I'm drying her off. And I hear Emerson like shouting me, désolé, maman, sorry, oh. mom. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, why are you telling me désolé? He's like, I'm saying sorry. And he goes, maman, I'm saying désolé because you crié at me because oh. you shouted at me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, buddy. And then I say to him, I respond to him in French. It's me yeah. that apologizes for having shouted at you. However, yeah. you weren't listening, but it's just funny how. Um, you know, the, the words are, are coming, you know, he's yeah. certainly like understanding and, it's and using there. It. yeah, for sure. So that, that would, that would be a big thing. As I say, like, just, I have no problem, like having these circular conversations with my husband. And also another thing has been that I've said, I will risk the uncomfortable feelings to myself 
mm-hmm. of being around people and them feeling excluded because yep. I'm speaking to my son in French and they don't understand that. I just decided, you know what? That's not my problem. Mm-hmm. So it can be a little awkward. Like, let's just say we're at a playground or a play date and my son snatches a toy or he, he he's not really a shover or a hitter, but you know how kids can be sometimes. He Do knocks something. someone over. I'll immediately get over to him and I'm saying in French, like, I just want to remind you, like our hands are for gentle touches, or I think he was playing with that toy or mm-hmm. what have you, or just even if I'm saying like Emerson, that's enough. Like, even if I'm being a little bit more firm and then I guess I just hope that the other parent recognizes that I'm disciplining. Yeah. You know will. what I mean? Like, they I just will. kind of accept that. Or like if I'm in a store, um, it doesn't matter who's around us. I'm still going to speak to my children only in French. Yeah. Um, and if someone wonders what we're saying, they can ask. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't. I hundred percent agree because you're not talking to anybody else. You're talking to your son. I'm talking and if, to my son. If something involves someone, like say you need to talk to your husband or your family, I would do the same thing. It was hundred percent Polish. And then it, when it involved my family, I would say it in English, but I would mm-hmm. maybe still say it to the kid in, right, in Polish. Like we're going to do this. I'd say it in Polish. And then I would tell the family, okay, we're going to go outside. <laughs> right. I just yes, told her exactly. we're going to go outside. And it takes um, a little patience. You know, we have, a, we have a nanny here. She comes a couple mornings a week to help with mm-hmm. Eileen and she's, she's fantastic. She doesn't speak any French, but mm-hmm. she's very patient. So she knows that it, like, let's just say I'm telling Emerson we're going to school and Emerson's crying because he's yeah. just being dramatic about it for some reason. She knows that I'm going to go talk to Emerson and calm him down in French. And then I might say something to her like, okay, can you, you know, the, resume, do this the summary or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so that's just, that's just another aspect of it. And then I would say too, it's, you know, like I said, we don't do tons of screen time, but when we do, it's in French. So I use YouTube kids. Yep. Um, I definitely feel an extreme caution with YouTube. I think that's just that like mother fear thing um, of, the, of the click where things can end up. And I've watched him do it. I mean, they're so good with screens and he doesn't end up on generally YouTube kids. Thank, thank goodness is somewhat um, censored, but mm-hmm. he'll end up watching like some, some person unpackaging a toy unboxing i was gonna say this the darn unboxing the most ridiculous stuff so for the vast majority unless i'm actively in the kitchen as well like cooking cleaning up doing laundry um if i go say to nurse the baby or wake her up or do something like that i will just project it onto the the tv screen and we have just one tv Mm -hmm. um in our living room and other than that uh they don't have tvs in their room so it's kind of a thing where we really do monitor um the screen time and then also he has taken to listening to stories. Oh, nice. So, um, you know, we have been listening to, we got really into Casnoisette, the Nutcracker over the holidays. So we mm-hmm. listened to Stop. just a few stories through Spotify. So I try to be intentional about that. And then um, one thing that we're getting him for Is his that a birthday, podcast or is that? Yeah, it's just a little like, it's a, it's a woman who does a, uh, children's stories and she did like a five-part cast noisette uh okay. each one's like about six if you can long. send it i'll link it in the show notes oh yeah I'm sure we really... have lots of parents who speak french so yeah that that would be neat but th- the one thing that i'm gonna do for his upcoming birthday in terms of languages um i feel like it's taken off here either the toonie or the yodo for kiddos have you know. heard of either Mm-mm. so they're like an audio box for kids and I think with the Yodo, you put like a little, like almost a chip. It looks kind of like a Game Boy piece and you okay. kind of click it in and then it plays a story for the children to listen to. It's an audio. Okay. And with the Toonie, it's an actual, like, it's a little piece you put on top of the box and it's in the shape of a figurine that the kid could recognize. This like is almost better than the, because, you know, we have those little speakers that those movable, you know, those, what do I want to say? Wireless speakers. 
So you could like yes. play a podcast and project it Bluetooth. Exactly. But, but this, this is for kids. And this gets them not using your phone so that if you want to do something else, you're not like, oh, they're listening to Frozen on YouTube and I can't do anything else while they listen to this song. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. And it's just audio. So it takes away the visual piece. Well, yes. yeah, that's uh, great. a friend of mine told me because she bought her son uh, the Yodo. She's like, they have stories in French. So I went online. Awesome. But here's the thing they do. But speaking of what you said about your idea about going to um, secondhand stores, yeah. all of the stories are more of like the nursery rhymes or like the very basic stuff. Okay. It's not like translations of Paw Patrol, Frozen, Cars. Right. So I then went to, it's a classic. Yeah. So I went to Finac and sure enough, they sell the, um, the Toonie mm-hmm. with like Simba. And you can put a Simba story or you can put, cool. so we're going to, um, we're going to order that for his, for his birthday um, from France. So again, how do you spell Tunis? T-U-N-I? Uh, T-U-N-Y? I think it's T-O-N-I-E-S. Okay. And if you, if you just Google it, you can Toonie see box? that there's a French, Tunis box. You can okay, see okay, that there's a French, it. there's a French website, but they won't ship to the U.S. So to get them to ship, you have to order it through Finac. That's if crazy. that makes sense. Okay. Um, otherwise, know. you can buy it here in English, but then all the stories are, are in, in the United States, but of then course. all the stories are in English. But so again, this is a perfect example of I'm going to overpay because I'm now buying it in a euro, but I'm going to ask both my parents and my in-laws and say for Emerson's fourth birthday. And so mm-hmm. it's like, I find that a lot of it is, again, that intentionality. And then um, something else that um, my husband and I are doing is this summer, for the first time, we're going to do a French language family week. Here Ooh. in Minnesota at the Concordia Language Villages. Oh, nice. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a, a very, uh, it's been around for decades. It's a French, or excuse me, it's a foreign language, basically enterprise. So they do summer camps, they do family weeks, mm-hmm. family weekends, they do online courses, they even offer a master's degree, and they do it in a plethora of languages, including wow. Japanese, Finnish. I think they even have, um, they have obviously the, the classic Spanish. I believe they also do Arabic, Mandarin. Um, and so we signed up for a French family week. And so my husband's going to come with us and we'll be there for the full week with the kids. You come and you turn in your dollars for euros and everything is in French. And so our goal is we'll do this for a few years. And then when Emerson is potentially old enough, maybe he'll do sleepaway camp there or, um, and again, it's all, all in French. And then I think when my daughter is done with napping, so give me about two and a half more years when they're essentially ages like four and six or five Mm -hmm. and seven. Um, I will intend to every summer take them for a couple weeks, um, either to France or Quebec That's and great. have them do like a colony de vacances, like mm-hmm, a French mm-hmm. kind of camp, but like have them just be right in with the other French kids. So that's it won't awesome. be like language. It'll be. So that's my goal because, you know, I think that a challenge with living at a place that doesn't have your target language, like surrounding you yeah. is that you have to be a little bit more creative about it. So very creative, very intentional, very dedicated. You have mm-hmm. to not give up because there's going to be challenges. Like you were saying, there's awkward moments. There's, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's were times that you didn't have a word. You had to look it up, <laughs> right? Well, in fact, on that vein, this is something that I told myself literally from day one of my teaching is I will not know every word. So I immediately wanted my students and also now my children to know, like, if I don't know the word, I will look it up. Like I exactly. have absolutely no problem on earth being like, um, oh my gosh, how do you say um, front loader? Like, come on, who would know how to say that, right? Or who would know how to say, um, I only the word is coming to me, forklift, right? Chériot élévateur. Like my students knew and hopefully will know my future students that like, if I don't know a word, I'm not going to be pretend to be perfect. I'm going to look it up. Or I might say to 
Emerson, like, like he might say, Memol, what's that? And I'll say, oh, je ne sais pas le mot uh, en français. Il faut que je le cherche. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. the word in French. Like, let me look it up. And he'll we're, know, and I'll look it up, and then I'll say it to him. And then We're not okay. dictionaries. Yeah. Well, and we moved to Minnesota. Guess what happens here all the time? Corn farming. I did not know how to say combiner. I don't even know. Mm -hmm. Is that the word for I it? I think so. Wazeneuse betteuse. So now Emerson, like, oh, maman, I see a wazeneuse betteuse. You know? Oh, my gosh. And, um, I would not. If you just different. said that in French, I would have no idea what you're talking about. Well, then there you go. Like, why would I know truck vocab? And so I think part of it is like, you know, you show your child that you're willing to look up the words that are of interest to them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we had just one really distinct. I have one distinct memory. Emerson was about two. Um, he had been going to Montessori school for just a little while. And one day I picked him up. He wasn't talking a lot then. Mm. I put him in the car and he asked for his water. Delo, delo, delo. And I gave him his water. And he just, I mean, he chugged like he was in college, right? Like I was like, you, buddy, this is just wild. You chug, chug, chug. And afterwards I said, like, why why didn't you ask for water at school? And he kind of looked at me confused. And I said, well, I said to him in French, you know, what do you say at school when you want water? He goes, delo. I said, buddy, they don't know what delo means. And I actually oh. said to him, like, il faut que tu dises water. Mm -hmm. Répète après moi, water. Water. And so it was just cute oh. because it was like he he literally was, you know, at that time, not fully aware that he spoke two languages. And he was so, communicating, yeah. but they weren't understanding. A hundred percent. So oh, like, that's, so that's an example where like, yeah. And then in your heart, you're like, oh, I'm like, well, he didn't, like, he's not going to, you know, yeah, he's going to be fine in three hours of being thirsty at school. Right. But it was kind of one of those things where, um, you know, I'm like, okay, we got to make sure that we're always. And so that would be an example of when I do say the English word, just so he's aware of that or helping him like manage things with friends at school. Yep. Like I'll say to him, you totally. know, you can tell your friend uh, de ne pas uh, faire ci ou faire ça and, you know, and like that kind of Dis thing. Comme ça. And, mm -hmm. I did the yeah. same preparing my kids to go to the uh, garderie, the daycare in Quebec, because mm -hmm. I was like, if you don't know much French, but you need to know at least like certain things, you know, like mm -hmm. body parts. I need the bathroom. Like I'm hungry. I'm mm -hmm. thirsty. You know, just you have to think that like super that level of Maslow's hierarchy of the basic needs. Can I communicate my basic mm -hmm. needs? Because Everything else is just, you know, as long as you can play, that's fine. Um, we had a little bit easier because there was a lot of Anglophone kids because we were right on the border with Ontario. Oh, so yeah. he found he found the Anglophone kids and played with them. <laughs> <laughs> he was fine. That's just like that's just like students and then they study would abroad, right? Being really yep, intentional exactly. about like finding and then your friends yeah. that were bilingual, it would help. So if you couldn't say it, they would be like, he wants this. Iversa. <laughs> So. Yeah, exactly. That that does help too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just, you know, it's it's a lot of the intentionality and it's, you know, it's helping your like occasionally, like very rarely, he'll say to me, like, I, I, I don't want to I don't want to parler français. And I'll say, mm. okay, buddy, you can you can parler en anglais. Like that's okay. You can speak in English. Yeah. But um, you know, I'll I'll tell him, tell him it's really neat you speak French. Like that's really cool. That's a neat thing to speak French. And that's French. normal. And, Kids, yeah, you know, they go through lots of emotions. My kids have said I hate you. <laughs> you know, like that's a normal kids, they have to go through these emotions and it's better that they tell us right and they communicate than they hold it in and they're resentful and I don't want to speak French and I don't I can't even tell my mom right like think about what could happen it's better that he says it to you and you say that's fine I accept it and you know say it's just I feel like you can't take what kids say like oh they hate me because they said yeah, that. He, no or, they're or kids one day or he says one day he doesn't want to speak French and I'm like oh well we'll give it up now it's like no and like yeah, oh, exactly 
he'll say, I want to watch Paw Patrol in English. And I'll say, I'll say, well, actually we watch Paw Patrol in French. So you get two great choices. You can not watch Paw Patrol and we can totally do something else, or you can watch it in French. Exactly. Those are your options. Yeah. Those are the options. So I think part of it is just kind of some boundary holding. And then also just being, um, you know, just, it was funny. My mom the other day with, with my daughter was, um, she, she was kind of hold, she was holding her and she was, um, teaching her how to say, carry me. So my little 18 month old was like some version of carry me like me or something cute yes. like that. My mom's like Mackenzie. Okay. Cause my parents were here visiting and they actually yes. own a house here too. So, but they're heading back to their house in Arizona. And um, she's like, Mackenzie practice to carry me with her. Um, and let's see if she learns it. I'm like, well, actually mom, I, I won't say carry me. Cause I speak to her in French. Right. My mom's like, Oh, right. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's the way it is. Sorry. Like, I know my mom had a real hard yeah. time with it as well. She was like, so. I can't even understand my grandkids. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. And they, and they do though. It's like, you can, you can speak to them in English, like they, you know, and And they did. And that's that's what, it was just tough at the the first stages when they're learning to speak and they only know so many words, but it's not in the language the grandparents speak. It's like Mm -hmm. a blow to them. Okay. Fast forward two years, my kids speak such good English, way better than Polish, right? Like tell your mom, it'll all be fine. It'll all work out. Like this is not the end. They're going to learn English. They're obviously growing up in this country. Like they're not yes. gonna not learn English. Don't worry. And yeah. I think of it as like a gift to give them, like by making 100%. it a priority um, and, you know, basically teaching them French and, you know, sharing with them my passion for, for the language and the culture. And it's opened doors for me just, in, just intellectually, personally with friendships mm-hmm. and, you know, helping me feel like, you know, the United States isn't the center of the world, you know, 100%. really, truly having a more global perspective, understanding, compassion. I mean, the joys of like right now I'm reading um, just, you know, for pleasure reading the book um, Anomalie, mm-hmm. Anomalie um, by Hervé Le Tellier. Mm-hmm. Tellier. And um, just the fact that I'm getting to read a, a bestseller in French, that's really cool. Like, um, you know, we joked about Moliere earlier, but like <laughs> talk about, you know, liter- literally reading the French Shakespeare, if you will, mm-hmm. in the language he wrote it in. Um, exactly. You know, just being able to to communicate with people, the doors it opens, even the my Spanish level, as I've explained, being a bit more intermediary. It's 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 definitely not a, a full level of fluency. Although and also that is my French goal, but... helped learn you learn Spanish as it did oh, 100%. with me. So giving our kids this bilingual ability, you know, whatever it ends up being, because it's going to change every day and change every year. And as they grow, they're going to, you know, shift and move and be more fluid and be less fluent. But it's still it's, it's there. Right. And it'll help them. It's not, it's in no way hurting them. And it's fun too, especially at this phase in life, where, as I've just described, like I'm not actively working. I'm the primary parent. I'm still getting to utilize this kind of intellectual side of my brain. Granted, a lot of talk is about potty talk and bathrooms and food and bedtimes and water. And you know, what are we doing? But I'm getting to use the French language every day, all day with my kids. And that's very rewarding for me. And I truly love doing that. And mm-hmm. I, I think that it's it's something that nourishes me as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that's, that's truly a big benefit as well, is that you're getting to teach your kids something that you care about as well. Like, I'm not doing this begrudgingly. Like, I love doing this. Exactly. And I think it's humbled me. It's made me realize, like, I am not going to be perfect. I'm going to say a phrase to him, like using a C clause, for example, and realize, oh, shoot, that was the wrong conjugation of the verb pouvoir, right? That, or I'm going to, or I'm going to, you know, look up a word after I say it. Did I say that right? And I'm going to have those moments of learning 
truly each and every day. And and that's really cool. And you realize just truly how open-minded and curious kids are. Mm -hmm. Like if you say the wrong thing and then you correct yourself, first of all, they don't even notice. And then second of all, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see them seeing that mom or dad or, you know, caregiver has a passion for language, has a passion for another culture. And that's just something that I think far outweighs the, um, the concern of not being perfect. I love that you mentioned like, you know, you messed up the tense and you went and looked it up after and just, you didn't say like, it's so terrible that I'm not perfect. And you said, it's so cool. It's so cool that I can like, you know, keep learning and keep making, you know, progress and the kid's not judging me and it's fine. And mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that because my Polish was worse than your French. <laughs> it is worse than your French. And I was still raising my kids and making tons of errors. And we would have like, like a discussion with my kids where I would be like, it's said this way. And my kid was like, no, I think it's said this way. And we're like, we're going to ask your father when he gets home, the native. <laughs> it's like, because, you know, I could look it up too, but Polish has just a lot of complicated grammar. So I was like, all right, we'll ask your father. We'll see. <laughs> but like when they got older, like around Emerson's age, like four, he, my son would be so, you know how they are. Like, this is how it is. And I'm like, I, I think it's this way. And no, it's this way. I'm like, well, you are the native speaker here and not me because <laughs> it was so his first language and not mine. So I was like, we'll see. And but... that's, and I think it's, it's fun. Like it's, it's, it's neat and kind of exciting to be, yeah. Yeah, to be challenging yourself, honestly, linguistically, and just kind of see your oh gosh, your so kids. Um, I learned so much because my level that. was lower. It like pushed my level up because I forced myself to use it every day. I was learning songs, lullabies, reading so much. You know, mm-hmm. even though I had been learning it for many years, I wasn't reading books. I was just speaking. And it was like, okay, now I have kids. Now we have all these books. And I was reading. My reading got better. My vocabulary got better. It's, yeah. Like yeah. you said, there's all these words in French that you had to learn, you know, same for like, I don't use the word pacifier bottle, like diaper, yeah, you know, totally. like, it's exactly. a whole nother vocab. And then the whole, it's a whole trucks other... and whatever your kid's interest is, like, there's these little subsets of vocab that you don't necessarily, I don't know them in English. Like I had to learn the trucks in English. Like I'll ask, like, is that a forklift or is that a front loader or is that a dump truck? Like, I don't know. Totally. Yeah. Like I never had to like think about those things. And then even vocabulary, like now we live in Minnesota where it's very snowy. So it's like every single like snow sport and activity and description of all of the clothes and everything. And there's some good, um, yeah. And there's some good expressions from Quebec if you're looking for, for snow and winter vocab. Oh yes. Um, I would actually, I would, I would love that. Yeah. Because just look up like, you know, expression, like expression d'hiver Quebecois or something, you know, you'll find a lot because we were doing the French, um, the fr- freestyle, the company I work for, we have a French word of the day account on Instagram. And I worked on it for a while and I was creating, you know, 11 words at a time and example sentences. And we're like, let's put in some like Quebecois expressions. And there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot with winter and some good ones. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because um, with uh, the, I did a, a French teacher workshop in Quebec for a couple of weeks um, at Laval mm-hmm. uh, in 2017. I went out there and uh, it was middle of summer, beautiful. And I remember them talking a lot about like, just basically la vie pendant l'hiver, like just yeah. basically how like we still embrace the winter and uh, doing just a little bit of that. Although the focus wasn't so much on vocabulary, but, mm-hmm. um, but you're right, because otherwise in what in Paris, I mean, it rains and there's an occasional snow, but it's definitely not like, uh, not, not like Minnesota and certainly not no, like, no, Quebec, no, so. not at all. And my, I mean, my kids were outside every single day. These kids were in these like full on snow suits, you know, like you'd see them coming in the morning and 
go out for their their afternoon in the snow. I think they even went out twice. They sometimes went out in the morning and the afternoon. But yep, that's how my kids no are bad, here in Minnesota. No bad weather. There, the kids are outside playing. Whereas, oh yeah, you know, sometimes we're. I mean, we're from. I'm from the north, so we still go out. But I feel like if you're not used to the cold, you kind of stay in. So oh yeah, and I remember like in Rhode Island, like it would snow two inches, and like his Montessori school would close, and here it's like eight inches, and they're still wide open. You know, because you can't. I think it's it's the fact that if you're not used to cold. It happens so rare that you can just, oh, let's stay in and snuggle. But like if you're up somewhere like Minnesota, Quebec, like you can't do that for six months. No one can live nope. like that for six months. You need to get outside. Like we're yeah. all going to go stir crazy if we stay well, cooped up for six months. So yeah, people have to prioritize. You have to sure. learn to live with it for sure. Yeah. Okay. So before we end, I always like to ask my guests to share either um, a phrase or an expression that they like to say, or even a proverb or something like that. But is there, especially with parents, I like to ask, is there a phrase that maybe your child says, or you say a lot, or just, I would say something that I've said, it's very simple. It's, I love you, je t'aime. Something oh. that I've said to my children, um, you know, from the moment they were born, right? Je t'aime, maman t'aime énormément, je mm-hmm. t'aime. Um, I call my son mon coeur de coeur, you know, just like uh, my, my daughter is, you know, ma, ma petite chérie, you know, it's like all the little like diminutives, but I would say there's nothing more neat than hearing my son respond to me as I tuck him in bed at night and I say, okay, fais de beaux rêves, je t'aime énormément. Mm-hmm. And I hear him like kind of underneath his cover saying, je t'aime maman, oh. you know, and it's just so sweet because it's Warms like, your he... heart. and then he'll say to me in English too, like, I love you so much. Like this morning he said to me, I love you so, so much. And that was very mm-hmm. sweet, but um, it's just cute that he, he, he feels love and he can express love in two languages and he fully knows. And I've never said to him, I love you. I've mm-hmm. only ever said to him, je t'aime. Mm-hmm. And so it's neat for me to, I mean, truthfully, you know, your children are are the people that, that have an actual piece of your heart yeah. and to have him saying to me um, that he loves me and that I love him. And we're expressing our most deepest emotions and affection mm-hmm. For each other in my second language mm. and in his I would say his co-first language right because English right. and French are probably both his paternal mm-hmm. languages mm-hmm. um you know but the fact that he's saying that to me as my son and he learned how to say that from his mom who learned French as a second language that's so beautiful yeah yeah and I, I have the, seen the neatest thing I saw someone post about that that bilingual kids get to hear that they're loved in multiple languages or say that they love yeah. people yeah that's such a beautiful sentiment and that's wonderful. Yeah. And I love all the examples you gave of the the cute little diminutives and <laughs> they each have yeah. their own little name. That reminds they me do. of my son was born, I think on um the author of the Petit Prince, um, Saint-Exupéry, his birthday. So I was like, oh, mon petit prince. <laughs> when he was oh, c'est super. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, Emerson was running around the kitchen saying, I don't want to be a prince. I want to be a princesse. Oh, boy. He's been watching Frozen. So he's like really into Elsa and Anna. It's, it's just so cute. Oh, how they pronounce cute. it, Elsa, Anna. Yeah, so, the different yeah, it's names. Just, it's just very cute how they, you know. They, have you watched uh, Moana, which is Vayana? I think. Yes, we have. We have Vayana. <laughs> My yes. kids like don't understand. Like, wait, why is it Moana? Wait, why is it like they're like wait, Vayana? It's Vayana. I think, I'm like, no, I think my husband looked it up. It was some like copyright thing or something because he okay. he found it for us in French, and, and yeah. I was like, why is it Vayana? He's like, well, they couldn't like. They couldn't trademark Moana for some reason. So I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, I guess at least we have it, Vayana. Yeah. Or like yeah. funny things like the Casnoisette. You know, when we, when my son and I went and actually saw the performance of it for a, from a local ballet troupe, um, the, the young girl's name was Clara. Mm-hmm. But in the book, it's, um, I think it's uh, Marie, maybe. And so he's like, wait, 
is it Marie or is it Claire? You know, <laughs> so confused. Oh, he's like a gasp, you know. And so it's like it's just cute how they pick up on all that. But yeah. I would just say, in closing, to your listeners, that you know, if you are exposing your kiddos to a second or a third language, don't give up, mm-hmm. and um, you know, make sure that you're nourishing the language for yourself as well. You know, I listen to podcasts in French about topics that interest me, whether it's motherhood or current events or politics, yeah. and I read books um, that interest me as well. You know, mm-hmm. I just got a very interesting, um, interesting book. I mentioned the the novel that I'm reading, but I also um, just recently uh, got a book in the mail called Le Regret Maternel, uh, Maternal Ooh. Regret, which is a very heavy topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was um, it was a topic that I, I learned about through another podcast I listened to, La Matrescence, that I that mm-hmm. I love in French. And um, you know, I was just very interested in this topic. I, I I don't have maternal regret, but I have moments of I would say like probably most parents where you're like, oh. My life was so simple and uncomplicated and I was so well rested and I drank my coffee hot. And so I thought, wow, it'll be really interesting to hear about this topic, literally from the horse's mouth, from the author that wrote it in French. And so I would just say, whatever your language is that you're trying to teach your children, make sure that you're giving yourself the pleasure of enjoying that language, whether it's lighthearted from a podcast Mm. or a TV show or heavier, like an academic topic or a topic that is maybe a little bit emotional for you or what have you. That's very Um, well put. I would say just make sure that you're you're it's, pressing into that too because you don't want your the, uh, language to just be lullabies. When the plane goes down and you're supposed to put your own mask on first. Yeah. <laughs> like nourish yourself as well. Right. Yes. If you're trying to teach your kid this language and I was doing that, I was taking classes in Polish. So yes. I would, you know, keep progressing my grammar because I was worried about my level and things like that. But uh-huh. but we would, you know, watching shows, listening to music. Yeah, I think you have to nourish yourself and your own language. You know, the what is the word I want to say? Like the, not your journey, but like your own knowledge base of this language. You can't just, like you said, be stuck in lullabies and books that say un, deux, trois, and like, mm-hmm. you're going to go crazy. You're, <laughs> you're not going to, you know, mm-hmm. you have to do things that are for you only because we do, we get lost. I feel like we get sucked into motherhood and it, it's your whole being. It's your whole personality. It's your whole identity. Mm-hmm. And you just, it's like a whirlwind because it never stops. <laughs> so you can't get out of it. It never just, stops. It just never and, and, and looking forward to the future a little bit. I try to like remind mm. myself and reinvigorate myself and say, you know, it has been my dream to travel in French speaking mm. countries with my children. Like I've yes. spent, for example, time in Morocco mm. um, and I don't speak Arabic, but I was able to spend, um, you know, time obviously there as a French speaking person and connect with locals immediately mm. in French. And I desire for my children to have those types of experiences. And, you know, when they're a little bit older, when things are a little easier, we're going to have that. So like, that's something that I keep my eyes on that prize. And then even on the shorter term, like my daughter's still breastfeeding now, but I'm kind of, we're, we're thinking kind of around two. I say we, because I'm like, come on, girlfriend, get on my page (laughs) too, right? We're going to wrap this up around age two. But my point is I'm also looking to a few more freedoms for myself in my mm-hmm. own personal journey. I have a very good um, friend. One of my very best friends is French. She lives in Amsterdam now, but I already j- joked with my husband. I said, honey, for my 40th birthday, I'm heading there and I'm going for about a week, like gear yep. up, you know? And it's like, even though that's several years away and it's not going to save me from the sleepless nights ahead when both kids are sick or whatever, it's, you know, what are the kind of things that also make me who I am? And mm-hmm. language is a huge part of that. Yeah. So being able to think about kind of what lies ahead on both the parenting and the personal journey mm-hmm. is that reminder that, you know, you, you're also doing this because you love it. So exactly. I try to remind myself of that when it feels a little tough or when I'm like, Oh, he speaks English all day with his friends at school. And you know, the teachers speak English and we don't have any French clubs here in Mankato. Cause there's basically no French community and you know, blah, 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 blah. And then I think, well, Hey, what is happening? 
well, the local museum just asked me to do, you know, one day a month with with a friend of mine who's doing it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do a little reading hour in French. That's so cool. That's awesome. And we're doing this language camp in northern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're we're looking at maybe another little summer camp. We can fly and visit family in one of the yeah. cities we have family and do a week or two of that. So it, you got to be creative, like you said. And if creative. life isn't giving you what you need, you got to go search for it. You got to go create it yourself. Like you mm-hmm. said that before, if there's no French community, there's no French playgroup, maybe create one. Maybe everyone's waiting for you to start one. Maybe there are other parents, like you met the girl who speaks Spanish. Like mm-hmm. even just having that, you know, someone to talk to about this journey, because I, I started the podcast feeling I was the only one of my friends or I had a couple of friends, Polish, that were doing it. But like, I didn't know any other American friends of mine raising kids in another language. And I I know we're out there, but we're all scattered and all over the place. And, you know, outside of America too, right? People raising kids in a non-native language. I was like, I want to connect with these people. I want to talk to them, hear their story. Like we just heard yours. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to of share course. it. I realize I've never had the chance to really discuss it in in this like succinct of a manner. So thank you. And so people have told me that before too. You're not the first guest to say, wow, I, we never talk about this kind of stuff. We do it. It's our every day. And yeah, we never well, we get a chance to, about. to talk about like, well, why are we doing this? Why are we speaking these languages? Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Well, your I would your um listeners, even though I'm not super active right now with the at ABCs of Matrescence um podcast. I'll link it. It's still, yeah, a great way to communicate with me through the, um, through the, just the private messages, the DMs. And then mm-hmm. from there, if there was an interest in either chatting a little bit more about it, happy to kind of provide my email address and, and what have you there too. So it's still, it still is something that I, I utilize in terms of maintaining my connection, for example, to, to your podcast and your content. Um, but it's just not something that I'm actively doing right now, but still have full access to it and certainly utilize it in order to make connections. So I, and I life welcome will get any easier. all commentaries. So. Breastfeeding will end and life will get easier. <laughs> it's got to end someday, right? That's true. That's true, right? Yeah, you're right. A little little bit more freedom awaits as I know you're you're speaking to me from one step closer. ahead of you. I'm I was going to say, not the other side, but you're no, a step ahead, so. <laughs> No, nowhere near on the other side, but still, yeah. I'm still in the trenches with you. But yes, yep. well, thank, thank you. you for this opportunity. Oh, thank you so much. And it's always great to catch up. Let's not wait two more years. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> promise. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.